Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I do, I do feel that God has given me, given me a unique ability to be able to sense a stirring and then give a prophetic word to kind of speak to what is happening in the spirit. And, and I don't, it never makes sense to me, honestly, most of the time. I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I think God saved me from going to college because he needed my brain empty. He, he needed me to not actually, like then, second guess myself with a whole lot of intellect that I don't have. So I, I just feel like I really hear him clearly. I feel like I can walk into a room and read an atmosphere. And if I look back, as a little girl, it was the same thing. And I would wonder, does everybody feel this way? Like, does everybody know how to read the room? And I realized, I don't. It's actually a spiritual gift. Like, a, you know, the world would call it a sixth sense. But it's the gift of discernment. And so I want to I speak to a, a spirit that's maybe trying to rest on our church right now with the expansion, with all the new campuses that are starting. Welcome our Boise crew. We love you. Welcome those watching from Salt Lake City who aren't here in person. But then with a lot of things happening, with things shifting through in Coronado, with Bayho opening, all these incredible advancements, and yet, wouldn't the enemy love to rob the joy of the season by us letting the blessing become a stressing? And the title of my message today is this, when the blessing becomes the stressing. All right, and I, I, love, I love this passage of scripture. I have preached on it multiple times, but I feel God gives me different thoughts from it every time I read it. And it's the story of Mary and Martha. And I mean, it's, it's a classic tale. It, it's brilliant. It's an iconic Bible story. It says this, Luke 10, starting at verse number 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha in honor of National Women's Day <laughs> welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted. Somebody say distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I'm going to stop here for a second because I actually really like Martha. I like this confidence. I like this moxie. She actually had the confidence to invite Jesus into her home. This was, this was, a, this was a leader amongst women. And yet we see her here, not in her finest moment. But she's, she's bold enough to approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in the short time he has left to demand of him that he do her bidding. And then she goes on to say to Jesus, therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. 
but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, the saddest part of this story is, I believe, because Martha was a woman of influence, and this is a spirit that you will see played out everywhere in church culture, because people earnestly want to serve and give of their best, but because Martha's priorities were out of whack, we're going to see that actually her life was out of order, she became someone that I believe she didn't even like. You, you can't tell me that late at night, because I know, I know these moments because I've lived them, where I've spun out of control because I've been trying to control, where I've lied in bed at night going, oh my gosh, why, Leanne, why? Yeah. Why did you do it? Why did you say it? And I wager that that's exactly what was happening with Martha. What was running through her head is, oh my gosh, I, why do I act the way that I act? See, she wanted Jesus to change her environment. But Jesus was actually offering an invitation to her to be changed. So, so he's like, you are, you are worried and troubled about many things. He doesn't say that there aren't going to be worries and troubles. And I'm, I'm going to get to that. But he is saying, you want to control the environment. And instead, I'm actually wanting to change you. Like your sister has a peace. She's in the same room, faced with the same needs, in the same circumstance, but has a completely different composure. Because you want the world to change, Martha, but I want to change you. So I want to bring some points out this morning. And this is not a... let, Let me make it very clear today. This is not just a message to women. I have met some men that are shocking worry warts. Shocking. So this is not just, oh, all the women need to listen to this. This is, okay, the men need to pay attention also because this spirit, this worry spirit that leads to trouble is not just resting on our ladies. It also wants to oppress our men. But Jesus says something interesting. He says, uh, Mary, your sister, and I love that he makes a distinction. He, he compare, you should never compare people, especially sisters, and Jesus does it. You are worried and troubled. She's choosing the better thing. So he actually, he he contrasts, but then he also introduces a thought. There is a better way to live your life. So I'm going to look at this today because the the world ain't changing. Oh, when things slow down, things ain't slowing down. Oh, when people are less corrupt and everybody just does what I say, the world's just going to get more corrupt and more people are not going to do what you say. So either you can wind yourself up and put yourself in an early grave, or you can learn to choose the better thing. So we're going to look at six points today, and I will get through them. On how, like, how do we, it's one thing to say it. We look at, we look at that story and we're like, Lord, okay, well, thanks. But actually, how? Because again, I really don't believe that Martha and her male counterpart in this world actually want to live their lives this way. So, so how do we choose the better thing? I'm glad you asked. The first point, the first thought is this. We have to resist the devil at his onset. Not just resist the devil, 
Resist him at his onset. In 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 8, the Bible says this, Be well balanced. That's a word for some people. You can just write that down, tattoo it on your arm, see Maddie Inks. Be well balanced. Noted. Temperate. Wow. I mean, if we would just read one verse and apply it, our lives would, like, the mind boggles. Be well balanced. Temperate. Sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times because that any of yours, the devil, and his, his signature is he tries to get his dirty mitts in everything. He roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in faith. Does it say it up there for you guys? Yep. Okay. Keep going to the next verse. Okay, then I will say it. Okay, all right. Because I want you to see this, wor- this word. Withstand him, be firm in faith against his onset. Wow. It's a lot harder to resist the devil once you've already given him a massive portal. Come on in, oh dark Lord. And I, I don't think any of us want, you know, we're not intentionally saying that. But if we don't resist him at his onset, it is so much harder to evict him later when he's taken up residence and he's moved in his furniture and he's bought his friends manipulation, control, and fear that are nothing but trouble. So what does it mean to resist him in his onset? Well, well King David gave us a clue in Psalm 5.3. My voice, O Lord, you shall hear in the morning. I will direct it to you and I will look up. Where are you directing your thoughts and your voice in the morning? How you position yourself in the morning makes a huge difference to how your day looks. Pastor Katie came up with the most incredible phrase that hit me like a ton of bricks at the beginning of the year. She said, what if your busy life was your reason and not your excuse for spending time with God? Because I've found that if we don't give God our first, it's going to be very hard to give him our last. And then we wonder why we're winding ourselves up and taking chaos and causing drama wherever we go, because we just, we're just living our life out of order. The better thing isn't the only thing. It's just the first thing. So, so the better thing wasn't, well, I don't want you to do anything else. Just sit at the, at the feet of Jesus. He's saying, this is where you start and that way you're going to finish well. But a lot of us don't start there, and that's why we don't finish well. So, so what would that mean for you to actually start your day resisting the devil at his onset? Would it mean you get up just a little bit earlier? Would it mean that you have to reprioritize how your morning looks and you have to prefer time with the Lord over yourself? But, but it makes all the difference. So, so my life dramatically changed, and I, I really believe I became a much more pleasant person when I gave God the first of my day. He wants our tithe, which is the first of our finance, but he also wants the tithe of our time. I, I want the first of your day. And, and it's not because God is greedy. It's because he knows 
that we live in a world that is full of worry and trouble, and in order to live life in, in, in a way that blesses us and refreshes others, we've got to make sure we get the first thing first. So we have to resist the devil at his onset. I remember preaching this word to our cherished women, like a version of it, many years ago, and I used the analogy of every day there is a bidding war for your day. So there is a, there is a divine auctioneer, and there are, there are several people bidding for your day. One of them is worry. One of them is trouble. One of them is distress. One of them is anxiety, and the other one is Jesus. Will you give me the first of your day? Will you give me the first of your day? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. What would it look like, my friends? How, how would your life change if you submitted the first of your day to God? Pastor John did a message many years ago called The Drop Zone. I feel like that message needs a comeback, actually, because it's the drop zone when you position yourself. And listen, I can sometimes wake up with worries, stresses, offenses, things, things cycling through my head, and it's actually a discipline. I have to say, I'm not going to, no, I'm not. I'm not giving my, my thought space to that. My voice, you will hear in the morning a lot. I will direct my praise to thee, and I get in the word. And the Psalms and the Proverbs and the stories of the prophets, they calm me down and they write my spirit and they put my life in order. Maybe today you're not living the life you want to look because you haven't chosen the better thing. The better thing is giving the first to Jesus. Resist the devil at his onset. The second thought of, is this one. Don't borrow trouble. My mum used to say this to me on repeat as a little girl. Oh, Leanne Edith, you borrow trouble. And she was right. I did. I, I would immediately spring to the worst case scenario until I disciplined myself. And, you know, the amazing thing is if what you carry as a kid, you will not grow out of, you will grow into unless you allow God to give you a divine intervention. So here's what the book of Matthew chapter 6 says, Jesus speaking in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Now listen to this part. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, I want, to hear, I want you to hear something. Trouble is coming for you. But for the love, don't ask for an advance payment. Don't, don't be like, well, I'll have today's trouble too, Lord, and can I have it also from next year in a lump sum? Okay, and then you'll wonder why you're in the loony bin and you, and you feel like you need to take meds because you've got like a lifetime of supply of trouble. Like, stop it, stop it, stop it. You're exhausted because you're time traveling every day. Not just into the future, but the past, by the way. But especially into the future, and you grab it. I'm going to get next year's troubles, and 10 years from now, I got some troubles. I'm going to grab and pull them back into my today and then wonder why my life sucks. Because right. Jesus told you every day was going to have trouble enough of its own. Don't go running and grabbing trouble that you're not ready to handle. 
Here's what Matthew, and, and you don't even have context for what's going to happen. Why would anyone want to know the future? I don't understand. Like, God, it's fine. You're in it. I'm walking with you. It's going to be okay. So I've learned, and of course this message has, has come through doing everything wrong so I can help you hopefully live right. A wise person learns from other people's mistakes. But I, I've learned to wake up in the morning and say, what problems am I going to solve today? I, I taught my son, Tommy, who could maybe have little self-awareness, especially when it comes to his understanding of body language. And all of the media team are laughing because they know it's true. <laughs> That's why he's perfect in the creatives. Like... <laughs> So he would talk, but his face would be so like, I'm like, Tommy, you look depressed. He's like, what? I'm not, I'm fine. <laughs> what? I'm like, Tommy, smile. And I, had to, I actually had to teach him. I said, Tommy, you need to learn to smile talk. Yeah. Hi, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, can I get you that? Uh, what video? Tell me again. What you'd... Like smile talking. I'm, I'm giving you a key. Smile talking. But you know more than just like, the world needs more smiles, but it's not just for everybody else. It's for you. So instead of waking up in the morning, oh, what troubles do I have to solve today? What problems am I going to solve today? Oh, strap me to the wheel. We got this, Jesus, because I'm not launching into the future to grab uh, trouble that I can't handle today. I'm going to take today as it is with you, with faith, knowing that even though the word says in this life you will have trouble but don't be overwhelmed because I have overcome the world you can overcome every trouble you face every day with the Lord but only a day's trouble only a day's and if you're grabbing what's not yours to grab from the future you've got no one to blame but yourself amen Liam <laughs> don't use your imagination to create something you don't want Another great tattoo, Maddie. I'm, I'm giving you awesome ideas. Write these down. Third thought. Now, this is going to maybe confuse some people, especially the doers amongst us. If you aren't empowered to fix it, don't try. <laughs> if it's not your job, if it's not your place, and if you literally cannot do it, stop trying because you're in danger of becoming like Martha, who was a manipulator and controller, and I believe she didn't want to be, because she invited Jesus into her house. This was a virtuous woman, but she didn't know how to manage her own personality type. If you aren't empowered to fix it, don't try. My mum used to say this. You're going to hear a lot of Val Gray sayings. Recognize when something is a daddy job. So one day, for example, we were walking out the door to go shopping and the door fell off its hinges, like just front door, like gone. All of a sudden, we were vulnerable to attack from the Philistines. And um, I'm like, wow, what? What do we got? Mom, are you going to fix it? She's like, now that's a daddy job. Call your father. I'm like, that is, that is profound in its simplicity. What are you trying to wrangle that is a daddy job? 
Like you, you can't fix this, but you are destroying yourself and people around you trying. Again, stop it, stop it, stop it. Worry is a flesh response to what can only be solved by the spirit. I'm trying. I'm trying to drop bombs. <laughs> Worry is a flesh response to what can only be solved by the spirit. You know what? I figured out when I was going through writing this message the other day. Worry is not only useless, it's rooted in pride. I can fix it. I can fix it. I remember my Ash, who's, he's a leader. He's like his, his daddy. He can, and he could do it all as a kid. I do it. I do it. But, but as a three-year-old, he could not, for the life of him, button his pants. So because he wouldn't let us button his pants, his pants would fall down, and he'd spend most of his toddler years naked. But it's a principle that I think it has some profound weight to it because when you try to fix things you can't, people see your butt. <laughs> Do you want to show people your butt? I really don't think you want to show people your butt. Let daddy help you. But it's rooted in pride. First Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourselves, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. God, I can't fix it. And I'm destroying everything and everyone trying. Set aside self-righteous pride. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I want to ask you people who like to, to operate this way. Have you actually informed God that he's been made redundant? Because I don't think he knows. I think he's up there in heaven still sitting on the throne going, I'm ruling the universe. Have you let him know that he's been let go? Did you tell him? Because he actually thinks he's, you know, like he's the boss and everything. So, did you let him know he's been replaced? So you're there like Ash trying to button your pants, eventually standing naked and not before the Lord, before the assembly. And then, and God's just going, you finished yet? You done? How many more people need to see your assets for you to understand that this is a daddy job? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So let me let me tell you a story about myself. So during COVID, this was one such a time. We were, as you know, on the front page of most newspapers. <laughs> Ironically, Jürgen managed to dodge many of the events. It was either me and John and Becky and <laughs> Mel Nutter at one point. I'm like, could you get the actual senior pastor for a change? But... <laughs> Anyway, like all this like constant like barrage of bad press and, and um, just insult, like just one after one after one after one. And I, you know, I remember being so worried and troubled about it because it was my reputation was being attacked. 
Nobody wants to be called a granny killer, uncompassionate. Like, and these were some of the kind things. Mike Yeager got called a plague rat. We made it in the news in Australia. Like our infamy traveled down under. I had people call it, we saw your, your news report. You got your church open. We had people from other churches calling and leaving comments on our, like just, we couldn't, you know, and you don't have the opportunity to explain your reasons and what God has spoken you to every person. And if you try, you, you'll never sleep and you're asking for an anxiety disorder. So I remember coming to God and praying because I couldn't fix this. This was a daddy job. And he said, Leanne, I need you to give me your reputation as an offering. I need you to give me, because I had kind of, I will say it, I had prided myself on my reputation. Leanne, Gray, you know, the Gray girls from a politically well-esteemed family in Australia, you know, we, we do the right thing, us Grey girls. And I married Jürgen, that's, you know, like, that's enough controversy <laughs> for my life. And there are times where I can just step aside, Lord, the husband you gave me, and, and get out of lightning bolt range. But I couldn't, like, there was no dodging this. I couldn't fix it unless I sent emails and responded to every nasty comment on, like, imagine. And there were times when I did that. There were seasons when I did that. And, and I was becoming Martha. I was becoming someone I didn't even like. And I felt God say, like, you can't fix this. Trust me with your reputation. Stop being your own PR person. You can't be your own public relations person. Give me your reputation as an offering. There are many, actually many offerings that the Lord will ask of you that aren't actually money. And this was one of them. It's so funny. Every time I, I see a Christmas card sent out, and I know this is a very American thing, with the whole family dressed up in all their finest, I always think, what kind of hell did the wife have to put the family through to make that happen? <laughs> If you aren't empowered to fix it, just don't try. Is it a daddy job? That's the third thought. Okay. The fourth thought. Thank you. Never forget your heavenly father knows what you need. And th this is really beautiful. So Jesus spends time in his first message, first message in Matthew 6, to make a distinction between how beautifully our Heavenly Father cares for birds, and then at the end says, don't you think you're more valuable than a bird? How many people here believe they're more valuable than a bird? Right? Okay, so if you truly believe that, then understand if your Heavenly Father knows the needs of a bird, which I appreciate, by the way, then how much more does he know what you need? Now, I want, you, I want you to do a little exercise that has worked for me in the past. Whenever I feel like I am invisible to God and the circumstances that surround me try to turn me into a Christian atheist, 
I look back for the signature of God in Leanne's life where he's answered prayers that I haven't even uttered. Even, to, even when I was a little girl, in Australia they had this habit of, I, I mean, I know it's going to be a shocking revelation, but I was good at athletics. I, I know I can't run now, but I, I was good. Because I try, I just did every sport. So, you know, if you hang in there long enough, someone will give you a ribbon and an opportunity. <laughs> <clears throat> so I, I went away for my school to represent them in cross country. And the, the standard of the time in Australia was when you would travel, this was back in the 80s, and you would stay in what would, they would call a billeting situation, where you would stay in the home of another student. I mean, it's a lawsuit waiting to happen these days. I mean, I can't even imagine what went on behind closed doors in a lot of those billeting situations. So I'm a 10-year-old girl, and I go away, and I stay in a, the home of a family I'd never met. I remember being so desperately nervous about what I was going to come across. I was going to be staying in the home of strangers. We turn up, and the mum's nice, and the kids are nice, and I go to bed at the end of the night, and the woman walks in, and she kneels next to my bed, and she says, can I say an evening prayer with you? And I, I never prayed that. I didn't, at 10, to be honest, I didn't pray a ton. But, like, my Heavenly Father knew what I needed. True for 10-year-old Leanne. True for 48-year-old Leanne. True for you. Really think about it. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. Jesus went to great lengths to communicate to people who were surrounded by other gods who were capricious and legalistic to say to them, your, your heavenly father is not like other gods. You don't have to beat yourself, cut yourself, sacrifice to ridiculous ends. Like he actually knows you. He's acquainted with all your ways. Amen, Leanne. And so many times, I, I really want you to do that exercise. It's really beautiful. I thought of so many things like traveling on a train to Sydney when I was in sixth grade. And it was the, one of the first times I went on a train to Sydney. It was a big deal. Back when trains were cool and not ghetto, I was on the train. And we went to Sydney with our school. And my parents never let me eat junk food. And so, of course, when I was out of their sight, I ate way too much junk food. First thing I did was, where's the junk food? And I got so nauseous, so sick. And in sixth grade, it's all about your public image and how cool you are right? The vibe, right? And I was on the train uh, on the, coming home from Sydney after eating an unending massive candy and felt so sick and so nauseous. And I'm surrounded by all my little peers and they're all giggling and having fun. And the last thing I wanted to do was vomit in front of all my friends. Back in those days, there was no toilets on the train, no restrooms. And I'm like, well, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Anyway, I walk out to grab some fresh air and open the window just to crack. You couldn't really open the windows either. It was like a, a terrible, I mean, it would be shut down in today's standards. And then all of a sudden I hear, Leanne Gray. Leanne Gray, is that you? And it was a 65-year-old woman who had known my parents since they were kids, teenagers who recognized me, and she saw my face awash with nausea. She took me to like this private area, held me while I threw up, cleaned it up, like had her arms around me, let me rest with my head against her shoulder, retaining my dignity. I didn't pray for that. Your heavenly father knows what you need. 
I wonder how many stories like that you have in your history that you've forgotten and you need to research them today so you remember that your heavenly father knows what you need. And then we're almost, almost done. Cast your cares in the right direction. If we don't cast our cares upon the Lord, we will end up burdening people who aren't equipped to carry them. First Peter 5, again, says, Cast all your cares, anxieties, worries, and your concerns once and for all on him. Okay, so what are we to cast on the Lord? Cares, anxieties, worries, concerns. So here's the amazing thing. He is asking for them. Your friends may not be, but he is. Your husband may not even be asking for them. But Jesus is asking them. <clears throat> it's true. Yeah. You can wear your friends out, your spouse out, your family out, and heaven forfend, your pastors out, if you don't learn to cast your cares upon the Lord. He's asking for them. How many people in this world are actually asking to carry that stuff? But instead, if we don't, we've got to take it somewhere, right? You can't keep that stuff on the inside. Yeah, that's a really good word, actually. And so as, as leaders, we can't be reckless. We are actually to be the standard bearers. So there is, there is a, uh, a responsibility put on us if we want to steward well the people that God has entrusted with us that we get this. If, if we don't get this, we're not the leader. I'm just going to say to you today, you aren't the pastor, you need to be pastored. You aren't the leader, you need a leader. Unless you learn to get this. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have conversations with the right people. We all need to. But let's circle back to point number one. If you're spending and giving the first of your day to the Lord, you've got the right things in order, you're casting it. I give you this. This is a daddy job. I, I, can't, I can't carry this, Lord, this, this offense, this, this pain, this misunderstanding, this situation that's outside of my control. You're asking for it all, Lord, and I'm giving it to you. It means that every conversation you have after that is either going to be an amen from a place of right standing or life-giving instead of pulling down. And I think, I think as pastors, we need to be really mindful of this. People, for better or for worse, are looking at us as standard bearers. I want to see how you handle cares, anxieties, stresses. Do you fall apart and tear up the atmosphere like Martha did at the dinner party? Or do you learn to choose the better thing? And we know that, how do we cast our cares? Through prayer. You know this. Philippians 6, 7. So I want to put this to you. What if every day, okay, if you haven't yet developed like a really close uh, prayer life with the Lord, where you're not quite there, well, let's, let's start at the beginning. Start every day by saying the Lord's Prayer. Just, just start there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's like the catch-all prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. So until you find your own rhythm in prayer, start with the Lord's Prayer. Then get baptized in the Holy Ghost and start to pray in tongues. That will make sure that you evict fear and doubt from your prayer. And you can pray prayers of faith because it's the Holy Spirit praying through you. So if you only pray two things, the Lord's Prayer and pray in the Spirit. And that's how you cast your cares. Amen, Leanne. And finally, all right, almost done. Do a heart check. John 14.1 says this. Do not let, somebody say let. let. Do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, or agitated. So I want to ask you this question. What are you letting into your heart? What are you letting into your heart? Let's circle back to point one again. Are you resisting the devil at his onset when he comes with his demonic hamper? Guest relations package (laughs) that is neither kind nor pleasant nor going to give you anything life-giving. What are you letting into your heart? Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Okay, here's how I can tell what you've let into your heart, because it will be evidenced by what flows out of you. So you can tell me all day long that I'm praying, I'm forgiving, I'm dealing with stuff, I'm resisting the devil, but if nonsense is flowing out of your life, agitation, drama, offense, bitterness, anguish, anxiety, fear, worry, trouble, liar! You are letting it in your heart. I'm not buying what your super spiro side is telling me. You're letting stuff into your heart you shouldn't be letting in. And what's flowing out of your life, Martha, is of evidence of what you've let in. You let it in. Jesus said, you guard your heart. He's not going to set an angel over the door of your heart with a flaming sword. He's asking you to take responsibility for what you let in your heart. You really think after 33 years of ministry, I have not had to make a decision about what I allow in here. And you think your problems are so grand and faced, never been faced by someone before. You are fooling yourself. This is a daily decision of what I allow in here. And it's meant I have mostly unfrayed relationships. I can walk into rooms and not worry about what people are thinking or saying. What I say, I mean. I can have conversations the correct way. I can properly decide how I'm going to approach any day or situation because I've, I've guarded my heart. I, I'm not letting that in, devil. You're not having that. You're not dealing, stealing my peace. Martha's heart had become a waste receptacle for the devil. Wow. Judgments. Look at her. She's not serving how I think she should serve. Good Lord, relax. (laughs) Fears, 
What will people think if they see my sister sitting at the feet of Jesus? She's not meant to be there. Jewish men can't teach women. International Women's Day hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> Offenses, I'm offended, here I am slaving. Don't they understand how I turn myself inside out for the cause? And here you are living a good life and going out for dinner and having fun and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Well, maybe you should try it, Martha. Maybe you should try it. And here I will circle back to the point I started with. She failed to see the blessing that was sitting in her own house. Three years of ministry, 33 years of life on planet Earth, and she didn't see who was at her feet. Has the blessing become the stressing? Stop blaming everybody else. Do an internal check. Oh, Jesus. We prayed for this. We labored for this. We desired this. We wanted this, and now we've got it. All we can see is the stress. When the stressing, when the blessing becomes the stressing. And listen, this is a world, this is a message that the world needs to hear. I'm going to be preaching it at every campus. Men, women, we can't because God has delivered into our hands something so magnificent. We can't sabotage it with our own humanity. So, so let's all do this from the tippy top to, to those who, you know, maybe have a smaller role. Like this is ours to model. This is ours to live. God has so blessed us. Let us never let the blessing become a stressing. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now. <laughs>